everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the MobileCast. I'm your host, Brian Katz, coming to you from our studios in New Jersey. Um, we have a great show for you with episode 21, um, and I'm pleased to welcome Adam Eli, Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Blue Box Security, and Caleb Sima, CEO and also the Co-Founder of Blue Box Security. This is a startup that is coming out of Stealth earlier today, since this will be published tomorrow, with their mobile security product. So, Adam, can you introduce yourself and give us a little background on who you are? Sure. So, uh, as you said, I'm a COO and co-founder of Blue Box. My background is enterprise security. I ran um, security for a couple divisions of Walt Disney, TiVo, and Salesforce uh, prior to starting this company uh, to kind of try to solve some mobile security challenges. And Caleb, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. So Caleb Simo, um, CEO and co-founder of Blue Box. Um, previous to uh, Blue Box, I've been doing security for quite a while. Um, originally started a company called ISS, Internet Security Systems, doing sort of research of vulnerability and software. Uh, then started my own company called Spy Dynamics um, that focused on web application security, which was acquired by HP. And then um, worked at HP for a couple years, kind of managing security strategy and um, Technology, and then started focusing here on figuring out what's going on inside of mobile, and thus the creation of uh, Blue Box. So, how did you two end up together? Uh, that's a good story. <laughs> Should we tell the, the the decent version of it or the politically correct version of it? Go ahead. <laughs> we just want the story. We don't care whether it's politically correct or not. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, so Adam and I have actually known each other for a very long time. Actually, since the beginning of my previous company, Spy based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and um, <clears throat> at the time when I was uh, uh, working at Spy, Adam had come in with uh, a friend of one of my co-founders, and um, he, uh, being Adam, was very, uh, <clears throat> let's say, aggressive in saying, does your technology do anything? <laughs> Adam sounds like he's after my own heart there. <laughs> <laughs> Which he is, and... Uh, and I remember exactly what, what he said to me at the time is like, uh, aren't you just whisker on steroids <laughs> or something like that, that what we were doing. And um, uh, we actually established a good relationship from that point forward. And, and I ended up converting Adam into a customer later. So that was all good. And he, he helped a lot in terms of my previous company really uh, focusing and building the right solution to uh, solve the security needs. So as you can kind of see from our background, um, you know, I've always been kind of a vendor guy, and Adam has always been the buyer guy, the problem who, you know, the guy that I'm trying to solve problems for. So <clears throat> we've known each other for quite a long time, and actually how Blue Box kind of really got started is, um, you know, I was kind of like fiddling around with mobile in my spare time kind of looking at things, and Adam was bitching up a storm over at TiVo about how the current solutions on mobile are not giving him what he's looking for. So we both kind of sat down and figured there's got to be a better way to do it, and thus Blue Box was formed. Okay. Adam, you want to add to that? or? Uh, yeah, I, I would like to say that I didn't question the technology so much. I just didn't quite understand a couple of the points, uh, but it's actually a fairly accurate story. Well, I mean, it's not like you're being mean. You're just you're doing what he would do, which is you got to question, you got to validate it. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's, uh, that's pretty much how we came together, and then uh, started uh, our research and kind of figured out some uh, interesting things in mobile and some of the challenges my peers were seeing on the enterprise side, and kind of the rest is the blue box history, I guess. So, 
you know, you've told us how Blue Box came about and why, you know, pretty much, hey, you want to solve a problem, but um, so tell us a little bit about what Blue Box does then. So what we really focused on was, just like Adam's problem, was he was like, I don't care about managing devices. Um, he's like, I need to figure out ways of securing my data on mobile devices. There's got to be a better way to do that. So in essence, what we started looking at is the fact that data is the, the, is the big problem. It goes on mobile devices and goes everywhere. So we had to figure out a way of how do we solve both the data security problem at a data level, which what we've kind of come to understand is that most enterprises are really kind of asking for a couple things. One, can I get data visibility? Can you show me where my files go on and off a mobile device and what happens to them? Two, can you allow me to control those files from going into certain places? And third, finally, can we at least can we make sure that it's encrypted or secured in some form or fashion? So <clears throat> we looked at how do we solve that problem? And here's the key factor to it. And I think this is the big issue that I think is the biggest challenge. It's not just solving the data security problem, which we started looking into, but really how to solve that while at the same time solving employee requirements, which is really the hard part, which is one, can you do it by allowing me as an employee to use any app that I want, using any flow that I want to be able to use. Two, I want to keep my native device experience. I don't want to open up apps into different spaces and VDI remote desktop into other types of things. And three, I need to keep my privacy as an employee. So really, <laughs> That, those were the problem sets that we based the blue box on, which was how do we solve the data security problem and then how do we solve that employee technology problem uh, or the employee requirements problem. And so we created a solution inside a blue box to really tackle solving both of those um, across Android and iOS mobile devices. So it's really cool because, you know, you're actually coming at it with a focus on corporate data and you've taken a very different approach. You know, I always talk about the fun principle, which is focus on the user needs. And, you know, your guys are very focused on the end user. And is that because, I, at least Adam, you certainly came from the end user arena? You know, when you were at TiVo and everything else, you guys had a huge focus on user experience and all that. Um, you know, really from my from my standpoint, it was because I was just I was bad at obeying my own corporate security policies. I had a mobile device. I was an early BlackBerry user before it had a phone. It was email uh, and eventually calendaring and eventually phone came into that. And once they kind of took that away and gave me an iPhone at um, at Disney, I had all these apps and all of a sudden I, I was able to be more productive. But my corporate security policy said I couldn't. And so I had to find this way, and I was trying to find this kind of utopia, if you will, that didn't exist. And then as I kind of went on through my, uh, through my career, no matter if I was looking at endpoint, you know, desktop, laptop kind of security controls, network security controls, web apps, whatever it was, it became very apparent that if you don't take the user into account, users will find ways to go around your security to be productive, to do the things that they need to do, or in the ways that they want to do them. So I... I kind of had that same problem, you know, myself. And then when Caleb and I got to kind of chatting, he was very frustrated with the same kind of problems. The people that he was speaking to were frustrated with the same problems. And we said, you know, this really has to be solved this way. Okay. So, you know, 
this all makes sense. Let's talk about your solution a little bit. Because, you know, in reality, what you're talking about is MIM or mobile information management, which anyone who's listened to me or read my blog knows that I spend – it's a topic after my own heart. You know, I fully believe that we need to be securing the information and start at the information level, then move to the app, then the device. The device is the little piece at the end, not the place to start from. So, yep. so let's spot on. So let's let's talk about how you do that. Sure. So the first thing that we did is just like you said, we started from the opposite direction that most people did um, and focused on the data first. So the way we, we basically did that is we created this sort of data wrapping technology. And all that really means is we encrypt the data with a per do- at a per-document level with both policies and authentication that carry forward with that document. <clears throat> now, here comes the question is, now that you've basically created what we call sort of a, a nice, secure method of securing or encrypting the data at that data level, how do you get people to recognize that data follow the security policies that go alongside of that data and make it so it's seamless and behind the scenes for the users. So the next big challenge that we had to do is we had to figure out, okay, the big part is where is data used most often, and that's in applications. So we had to figure out how do we make it so that these applications understand this data, can use and manipulate this data without developers having to get involved. Um, Then we started looking at both mobile applications on on iOS and on Android, figuring out what do we do in order to make these applications recognize our data format. And that's where we kind of came up with what I really think is a very unique piece of our technology, uh, this instant app protection technology that we've got, which essentially, basically what it allows us to do is secure or add a layer inside of this application on any enterprise application or any third-party application, no matter what it happens to be, instantly and make it so that it recognizes both that our secure data format obeys its policies and rules and regulations and at the same time gives more control, flexibility, uh, and capability to the enterprise at an app level as well so that they have the ability to see and visible both the data that goes into the app and as well control it, revoke it, and delete it, and any any application it happens to go into. Hey, so, so well, let's be let's be clear here. You don't require a third party app owner who's giving you an app from the store to actually participate in this. Not at all. There's no SDK needed. No third party um, issues to to go through. And and now this is really different because as most people know who listen to the show and everything, um, we talk about EMM a lot. You know, when you're dealing with, certainly with um, Google, you can get away with it a little bit easier. But with Apple, Apple's got some pretty tight policies. So how did you work with your data wrapping technology, app wrapping technology on third-party apps with Apple? So the way that, that we reviewed it is the way that most app wrapping technology works is there's just two different methods. There's a method of what's app wrapping that's called, it's modification of the binary, Right. Um, this disrupts a huge skew of different things in that you're modifying the binary, causing a lot of instability inside of the application itself. It's not very accurate in terms of what it's doing. Very difficult to stabilize. The second method is the SDK method that you hear about, which is this is the only way to, in current technology, to create a stable version of a secure version of an application, which I take my 
my code, I, I work with the third party, I have them compiled into it, I create my application. Uh, with us, what we figured out how to do uh, was basically create almost in essence a micro hypervisor without touching the app or the app binary at all. Um, this in, in essence kind of creates sort of a, um, it sits in between sort of what, what's, what's called the app runtime between the actual app binary and the OS sandbox and the system that it speaks to. We can insert ourselves in there as basically a library, allowing us to intercept all of the calls that that application makes. Since it's also in the app runtime, which makes us basically app agnostic, we don't care what the binary is of any kind, it also allows us a pretty strong capability of being able to dynamically create and change rules on the fly. What this means to an, to an enterprise or to a customer, it means that any applications that, one, have been instantly wrapped by Bluebox, all policies and changes that apply to that app take effect immediately. There is no rewrapping of the, that app because we don't touch binary, we don't care about that, and there is no redistribution or restarting of that application. It all takes place real time. So that those are very powerful um, one, our technology that we've been able to accomplish this in, and sort of the effects and benefits that this has afforded us going into the future. Now, I, it, it makes sense, but it, so it's interesting. So first of all, um, I want to hit what you call a microvisor, because um, we've talked to Bromium in the past, and we've had them also on the Cloudcast. Um, I think you're kind of talking about a little bit differently about what they what they call a microvisor and what you guys are calling microvisor. So I'm going to ask you to explain that a little bit better. Sure. So on the microvisor for a Bromium, for example, it's not a real hypervisor. It's not a hardware-based hypervisor. Think of it more as a blue box software-based hypervisor. The equivalent is, are you a, a developer by any chance or you know how to code? It's been a long, long time, and I don't like to admit it publicly. Okay. Um, well, essentially the way it works is every application writes to a runtime or a framework, right? And in, in essence, like uh, to, to give an example... When a, when a file does a read or a write, uh, anytime you do a file read or a file write, there's layers that it calls in order to make that call actually occur. And what Bluebox has been able to figure out, and this is a little bit of the magic, is how to get ourselves in the place so that we can intercept those calls so that it recognizes our data so that we can encrypt and decrypt on the fly. So, so is, is it fair to say, Caleb, that I'm going to change it from a microvisor to say that really what you are is a shim between the app and the OS that intercepts those calls? Yeah, you got it. I've actually used that wording myself. So Now, you, you remind me of a uh, company that Microsoft bought years ago that I used to work with, Sabari Antivirus, that did something very similar, but obviously not in mobile. Um, so this, this sounds really cool, very interesting. Um, how do you compare with other EMM companies? So you're approaching it very differently. You're just coming out of stealth. Um, you've been in beta for, is it six months, I think? Yep, that's correct. And so how many users do you have in beta? So we've got right now about eight beta customers. These are enterprise customers that have, we've kind of picked across various different verticals uh, to sort of hit their use case and uh, requirements. We'll be launching with, uh, with two of them on our website that you'll see tomorrow um, Netflix and Zion's Bank. Um, these two we picked very specifically on part of our launch in a couple reasons. One, we were able to get their permission, which is great. 
That, that, trust me, that's always the tough part. <laughs> yeah, that's the tough part. Uh, two, I actually think it's an interesting use case because the, their cultures are very different. For example, Netflix is very much a culture about open employee freedom. It's about it's a culture of not controlling, not managing, and not forcing things down employees' throats. Right? It very much has that freedom and culture aspect to it. But when you go on the, across the board to Zion's Bank, they're federally regulated. They have a lot of compliance issues that they've got to deal with. And the fact that one, our technology can bridge the gap on both sides, I think says a lot. Actually, one of, the, one of our customers said it in a very interesting way. It's like, how do we view Blue Box? We view Blue Box as basically the ability to get the security of a container but the native experience that we get out of MDM. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, I think that you guys kind of um, put yourself in a corner by talking about containers. I, I don't like the term because it's the way the way you're doing it's a little bit different. Um, so, but let's let's talk about another piece. You set up policies. You put your shim in place. How do I share data between apps? So, let's say I'm using Box for Enterprise. And then I have Quick Office or something else, and I need to edit a Word document. I don't want to edit it using the box editor. Um, do you offer anything that allows me to move that data back and forth between the two, or if I don't want them to, to prevent it? Yeah, absolutely. You can go basically, what you would do is you would open up our Blue Box application, you would choose your Quick Office application, you would download that Quick Office application that's offered by the enterprise as a selected app. You install that in sort of your uh, onto your mobile device. It's now a blue box application. That document can travel to that application and be edited seamlessly. Okay. And in the meantime, oh, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say it's interesting. You called it a blue box application. So does this mean that I might have two quick offices, one for work and one for home? You do have two quick offices, one for work and one for home. And when will you when will you enable me to move to one, which is the holy grail? <laughs> all right, are you ready for this? We've already gone through all of this. Are you ready? So here here is you have pros and cons to that. So when we originally created, when we originally had our technology, in fact, we have a switch here in our system where we can have it be one application, right? Where it's just one blue box application. <clears throat> so you have only one quick office, and you use it both for personal and work. Here's the rub to this, right? Which is the problem with this is that our user feedback that we were getting from uh, from users that were doing this, they did not like a single app application because it did not cleanly separate personal and corporate data. So, for example, if I use here is the prime use case Evernote. If I'm using Evernote both for personal and for corporate reasons, how much now? of the content that I put into Evernote is going to be in the enterprise control. Is it just the document or is it going to be the notes that I also take inside of Evernote? If you force a passcode on that app itself, am I now going to have to put in a passcode every time I access my personal Evernote data when I don't want to do that? I would rather have a corporate Evernote and a personal Evernote where I can cleanly keep that separated, but at least I have the freedom of choice of using the applications that I want to use. Well, so, well, so hang on here. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you because I think that what your users were really telling you, having had the same conversation with users, is I don't want to have to worry about putting a code when I have to deal with my personal data. And so now that some of that may be the shortcoming of the app, and you can't distinguish, but some of that, you know, 
since you have that shim there, it should be if you're going to, you know, if I were doing it my you way. You want to do it at the document level, right? I want to do it that when I click on a document, if it's a corporate document, it opens up with the protection. If it's a private document, like on my Gmail, I, go, I open up without protection. And when I create new, I can choose to label something corporate or not. And that's my choice. Yep. And that's totally doable and actually can be done. But I actually think the, the, the biggest feedback that we got from customers was not that it was privacy. Well, it is privacy an issue. If you, if you separate the data that way, privacy isn't an issue. They may not trust the pri- – now, they, you've, yeah. hit, you've hit on a great piece here. So when you start looking at the end users, you have to build that trust that they can't see that data. You know, the, the corporate can't see that data, and you actually have to, you know, prove it to them and give them that ability. If you don't market corporate, corporate can't look at your documents. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, here's, here's the great thing that we're going to learn. What we learn from our enterprise customers or the ones that we've been working with is they prefer the fact that I've got a separated out applications from my personal. But as we move forward in the market, I can tell you one thing. If we start getting feedback that they want it as a single application, then for us, we just flip a switch and it moves to single application. It is not that difficult. Here, This is the power, I think, of what you're talking about, the way we approach it differently. Because we did it the hard way first, which is we did it around the document, not around the app, for us to be able to have now a list inside of one application that shows a mix of both personal and corporate data and only prompt for off when you click on the document is absolutely something very easily done in our technology and our infrastructure today. We can absolutely do that and we can make that work. What we need to hear though from is customers as we start talking to them and users of our system who would prefer that method versus the method that we ended up going out with. Well, well, let, well let's be fair here. An enterprise is going to tell you that two works great. Um, I, I deal with, I am in the enterprise, so we personally would prefer that. Um, I think users personally don't want to have to think about the cognitive dissonance of, oh crap, I opened up the wrong one. Now I'm creating something. How do I move it to my own? And you know, I wrote my note in the wrong place. But you know, let's dig a little deeper into um, Blue Box. Well, first of all, how you come up with the name Blue Box? <laughs> So, uh, you, do you know what a blue box is? I'm going to let you tell the audience. Okay. So, I mean, we, by the way, naming a company is the worst experience ever, by the way. Just see, I mean, it's just, it's a terrible situation of having to do that. So, you know, coming up, the, the, here's the key thing is we always came up with these odd, you know, corporate names like, you know, these air secures or, you know, secure mobile and all of this stuff. And the problem is it didn't fit our culture. Um, and so where Blue Box came from is both Adam and I, way back in the day, you know, let's say we screwed around with Blue Boxes, which are basically phone freaking devices. So um, actually Blue Box, I think, became most famous because Steve Jobs and Wozniak both built and sold Blue Boxes as sort of their first little business venture. And what a Blue Box essentially is, it allowed you to make free long-distance calls or more technically allowed you to essentially become an operator on phone systems way back in the day. And so we like the name Blue Box for a couple reasons. One, it comes from a hacker sort of background. Two, it involved uh, specifically telephony. And telephony and hacking, which is security and phones, uh, ended up growing into mobile and security today. 
So we thought Blue Box was a perfect name. It's easy to remember. It's simple to understand. And it represented the culture that I, I think we both, um, you know, would like to carry forward into the name of our business. Okay. And now let's take a little deeper into Blue Box. Um, this is a SaaS platform. This is not an on-premise yeah, so think about we have we have we have two components into into sort of blue box. Uh, there is an on-device um, piece of functionality which you get in sort of our our clients that sit on the mobile device itself, and we've also got a blue box knock. And the way to think about that is that is a on that is a cloud um, sort of knock provider. It's almost basically Bez, but for applications and data, right control, and that will then either just uh, separate out into uh, cloud services or we'll separate out into internal enterprise resources. <clears throat> now, the enterprise, we also, we, I would call ourselves a little bit more of a hybrid in that you do also have the capability of taking on-prem locations. Uh, we separated out basically our control plane from our data plane. So the data plane components can be something that resides in-house or, um, or on-prem for those enterprises. Uh, while those who just want super fast setup less than five minutes to create an account and start enrolling or uh, devices or applications, um, you can just use our entire cloud solution, uh, which literally will then just take you literally about five minutes to get everything up and rolling. Okay. So, and to be clear, you don't actually tag data inside the corporation. You tag it as it goes through your system and people open it. That's correct. So as the data comes through, we what the company does basically defines sort of corporate sources Anything that goes down to that mobile device from email, web, or network uh, traffic, if they're defined as whether it be an intranet service, SharePoint server, <clears throat> email, whatever, or even a corporate service like Box or Salesforce, uh, all of those things, anything coming to or from uh, that mobile device is automatically tagged as corporate related. Okay. And um, what information do you keep on that data as it flows through you? And how do you, since you're obviously a cloud service, how do you separate, for example, I work for a healthcare company, how do you separate me from another healthcare company, et cetera? All of our systems built on a multi-tenant architecture. Um, we made sure this from not just a system point, but also a network perspective, ensuring the network traffic is also multi-tenant. Um, the only information that we keep are uh, policies and rules and alerts and events. So the information that might be pertinent would be, you can, we'll tell you we keep the document names, but we do not keep the document. So we'll tell you Bob's device has contract.pdf on it, and he stored it in Dropbox and in Evernote. Uh, that's what we'll store, but we do not keep any of the content of the document in our system. And you also allow me to um, delete and wipe out corporate data without affecting personal data, correct? That is correct. It's not about wiping the device anymore, as we say. It's just about wiping the data. Okay, excellent. Now, let's get. who do you consider to be your closest competitor? I mean, you're coming out of stealth. I have a feeling you're going to say nobody, but I'm curious what you think. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, um, you know, we don't claim that we compete with MDMs, right? We can layer on top of an existing MDM um, as an enterprise needs it. Um, you know, there, there's a bigger question to that, really. There's a market question of... You know, in terms of securing mobile and securing data on mobile, who do we compete with? There's no one that competes with securing data on mobile today. There, there are people that compete on securing the device, maybe even securing the app at an app level, and their intent and their goal is to secure the data, but not at a data level yet. So in a market industry, I think if everyone's trying to go after the same budget, 
I mean, we're competing against a lot of the same players that you're probably very well known for. From a technology standpoint, we're, we've created something obviously far different than what these guys have created and can layer on top of an existing solution, uh, solution if needed. <clears throat> so I guess that, that answer is kind of both. You know, a technology, not really a lot that we see, but from a marketing perspective, anyone that's probably playing in the mobile security space. Okay, and so you wouldn't compare yourself to people like Watchdocs or Box or Excelion, even though that they deal with data and documents. Yeah, in fact, we in fact not only do we not compete with them, we encourage and work with them. So, for example, we don't want to create another file repository document sharing collaboration app, right? That's not what we want to do. What we want to do is allow the people like Box or these guys who do this really well and allow them to do it but then be able to say, let's transfer the security controls and capability that we have so that those applications on mobile and documents on mobile can have the security capabilities and compliance that the enterprise needs. Let's just extend the security controls to those apps and allow those guys to do what they need to do best, as opposed to us creating our own content locker or our own data locker kind of system, content file collaboration. That's not what we want to do. We want to just enable other enterprises to use those services and being able to trust them as much as possible, right? Like Box or Watchdocs, they're great once they're in the system, but once they go out of that system, once they go into other applications, how do you secure that document and to where that happens to go? And that's where we want to give uh, the security and the confidence that enterprises can trust. Okay. So we just want to work with them. So you come out tomorrow today, depending, you know, this uh, podcast will actually come out on Wednesday, which is when you guys show off your software. Um, Tell us a little bit about the company. Uh, I'm going to let Adam do some talking right now. How big are you? Um, How long you've been around? What series funding are you on since you are a startup? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we're about uh, 38 people or so. Uh, We're in a Series B funding. Uh, We just uh, closed Series B at at the uh, beginning of this year, uh, backed by Andreessen Horowitz and Tanaya, and uh, it was great investors. Uh, We're continuing to grow and hire, and so, uh, you know, we've we've had a great trajectory over the last about 18 months or so that we've been developing and working with our customers. And of your 38 employees, how many are engineering developers? Uh, For research and development, it's about a solid... uh, I guess about 30 or so, I guess. It's the majority. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're, right now, we're a majority engineering-focused business. Well, that, that's, that is actually awesome to have all those people working on and everything else. Uh, now, are you guys going to be at RSA or MWC next week? We'll be at RSA. Okay. So anybody who's listening who wants to actually check in with Blue Box should pop over to RSA and uh, their booth and go see them. Um where do you guys go next? You know, you come out with version 1.0 tomorrow, officially. I'm assuming it's 1.0. It you know, is. Where, what issue, I mean, obviously you're going to improve the software, but what issue do you see tackling next? And I guess the corollary to that is, since you're so embedded in Android and iOS, what happens when um, the next version comes out of both Android and iOS? iOS moves to 8. We know Apple's pretty good about changing things up. And once users go, users go. And, you know, Android, it's when you get a new device. So I guess the question is, how do you guys stay relevant and keep that shim in place as the uh, layers below you start to change? You know, I mean, here's the one thing that you can never be sure of is on any operating system, 
um, even when they're running on Windows on Microsoft, um, that they can fundamentally change all sorts of different things and come out with an entirely new version. Um, we, the great thing about us is you know, we don't require MDM or anything to work with our technology. Our technology is abstracted out of that. And in order to uh, prevent um, or disrupt or break our technology, it would have to require fundamental changes in the way just the apps work themselves. Um, and I think that's a, probably a far difficult, more difficult thing to accomplish. But again, that risk, by the way, is always there. When you're an endpoint company to a certain degree, that's something that you're always going to have to deal with. Um, but looking forward sort of in the future of things, you know, one of the things is, you know, we're a startup company and we have to focus. And so we focused on Android and iOS. But as you look forward in the future, I think what you called it, mobile information management extends out beyond that, which is that, you know, we pick something that we could do really well win at in a very good fashion. And I think once you secure the data, that data starts extending out across a variety of different types of devices, whether it be desktop, laptop, or other mobile devices, and how to make that seamless user experience carry across all of them. Um, and so I think as you start looking forward in the future, um, it's a good goal to start obtaining on how do we work in a world where Enterprises no longer own the device, no longer own the app, and maybe no longer own the service. In, in other words, we should expect to possibly see you on Chrome, on Windows, and the like, because it may not be that hard to extend to that. I'm, not, the, promise, I'm not promising I, anything. I, oh, I, didn't, I didn't say you had to promise, but you know, <laughs> if we look at the future, you know, if, you, if you're uh, managing data wherever it happens to lie, which is, I think, what you're actually attempting to do, um, you technically have to be on those places. Yep, agreed. I mean, and I'm not going to, again, uh, promise anything, but as we look forward, what we want to be able to do is, is be able to add value, solve a big problem that enterprises have today inside with mobile, and then, you know, we can always look at forward extending that functionality and feature out as we move, move ahead. Can I, ask you, I, can I ask you a question? You can ask whatever you like. That's the whole All point right. of this. Awesome. Um, you know, um, I'd love to know your feedback and your thoughts on the market, both the challenges and some of the things that we're doing. What do you think? I think, you know, anybody who listens knows that, you know, I think that the challenges right now, people, you know, enterprises tend to come with legacy thinking. And they tend to look at devices first, and then they look at applications, and eventually they look at data. And one of the problems that we see is that enterprises refuse to classify data and because they refuse to classify data it makes it very difficult to control data and you know the part of the problem is they try to bite off more than they can chew um, I wrote a blog post on the fact that if we're going to classify data let's create 99 buckets and I always say start with two buckets it's either corporate data or it's not and then if you want to say okay this is hyper super secret corporate data now you're up to three buckets er Everybody else starts with 99 buckets, and by the time people, they do the first data stream, they say, we can't do this. This is too, too tough. And I think that one of the things that you see is that this data protection doesn't exp uh, extend into the enterprise. You know, one of the things we see when we talk about security is that breaches can happen anywhere, and somebody who really wants your data, even if you protect your device is going to figure out a way to either, you know, through phishing, through a Trojan, through something else to get in your enterprise and get your data. 
so why wouldn't you protect it all the way through and do that? And I think that that means that as companies start to do that, it makes mobile information management, which eventually just becomes IM or information management, much easier because you no longer have to say, well, can this can this data exist on this device either long term or can I only access this data when I'm on site using geofencing and the like? Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, you know, I, I think BYOD is going is here, but I think that we're also going to see it balance a little bit, where um, we're going to see a little bit more choose your own device, where enterprises may say either we buy it or we give you a stipend for it, but here are the two or three devices you can choose, especially when you're looking at Android and not, you know not everything's a Samsung with Knox or Safe on it, so that becomes an issue in the enterprise. And you know, I think that become you know players like you become important, and it becomes interesting to see, especially what you do in the future, whether you expand out to the desktop and you know Chrome, Windows, etc. And then there's this notion of trust of data. And for example, when you're talking with Bromium, Bromium has a way of looking at all your data as untrusted. And how do you kind of fit information management into this trusted data approach and figure out what to trust and what not to trust? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're you're pretty much spot on. In fact, in our in our in our product, you know, I think the the problem with data categorization is that you know a lot of people overcomplicate it. Um, and even at its initial onset, what we did is we separated out all, exactly what you said, which is corporate data versus sensitive corporate data. And can you at least get to those levels? and be able to identify and track the data at a sensitive data level across these mobile devices, across what happens to it, and then being able to make the technology on the device and the policies data aware so that you can real-time make changes on it based on that. So, for example, if my mobile device in my, let's say, my application does contain sensitive corporate data and I'm not on my corporate Wi-Fi, then do I force authentication anytime someone tries to access that corporate data file versus if I am on my corporate Wi-Fi or if I am on a secure system, then it does not force me to do that. And being able to apply these rules and policies in a real-time context. Yeah, I mean, it, it becomes very interesting and it's the focus on the end user just isn't there. And it really isn't there. You know, everybody talks about it and the buzzword these days is BYOD and don't take this the wrong way, but I cringe when you, just like everybody else, says, you know, in this BYOD world, we have to protect. BYOD is a state of ownership. It has nothing to do with protecting your data or not protecting your data. And, you know, it's because I can give you a corporate device. And if I treat it the same way as a BYOD device, it doesn't mean my data is protected or it doesn't mean that it's not protected. And it's this concentration of oh, let's look at the device level every time that makes me say, okay, hang on. Let's look at the data. Let's look at the apps. Then let's look at the device. You know, I've said MDM's been dead for over two years now, and because as a product, I don't think MDM has a place. I think as a feature set, MDM's extremely important. There are times you want to wipe the whole device. There are times that your customer, your user, whoever it happens to be, they lost their device. They don't want their personal data to leak either. And so they're all for you wiping the whole device. And you need to be ready to do that and understand how to do that. 
and really deal with the end user. Hey, uh, hey, Brian, would you? Uh, I would love to invite you to come uh, play with our stuff. Would you want? Would you be open to that? Sure. sure. No, I'm a, look, I, I play with everything, so I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, not part of the podcast, but I'm happy to take a look at it. Um, so. And, and I, you know, I, look, that's how you learn, and that, that's why I do this podcast, because, you know, it's a good conversation, and, you know, it's really understanding where you guys focus on and what you do. And you're, I like the approach you guys are taking, looking at it from the data versus from the device, and I think that's interesting. Um it's one of the reasons why I'm asking you, where do you see everything else going? Because one assumes that um, you're either going to do really well really quick or people are going to see you and start looking at, hmm, may, you know, right now we're going through a consolidation with all these EMM companies being bought by VMware, you name it. And the question becomes, well, what's next for you guys? Agreed. Sounds good, Brian. And, and Adam's being awfully silent as I say that. So. <laughs> I'm I'm actually getting over a cold this weekend, so I was, I'm very glad Caleb was here to be able to handle some of this talking for me. Yeah, to be fi- to be fair, I actually caught a cold yesterday, so uh, it, it's been an interesting podcast. So I'm, I want to thank you guys for um, coming on. It's been awesome. I want to congratulate you on the product coming out tomorrow slash today, and thank you, Adam. Thank you, Caleb. All right, sounds good. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. If you have ideas, suggestions, anything else, please hit us up on Twitter. At the MobileCast is the Twitter account. Um, you can always hit me up at, at BMCats. And, of course, Blue Box is on Twitter, as I think are both Adam and Caleb. Um, and you guys will sh- we'll sh- actually put in the show notes what their uh, Twitter accounts are. And thanks for a great show, guys.